bad movies. The world is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Welcome to the very first episode of Short Bus Cinema Podcast. I am your host, Johnny Krug, with my awesome co-host, Rick Morgan. Yeah, 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 man. This is exciting. Glad we're finally getting What's to put up? something together. Ah, just this is going to be great. Just sitting on the bus, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This podcast, we're going to be talking about lesser tier movies. A lot of the ones that are notoriously bad are ones that are just considered to be just cult schlock fests. And uh, that's the one thing I, I was uh, telling Rick before we started. These uh, We watch the movies you love to hate. Or we love to watch the movies you... I don't even know. <laughs> But this is this is going to be a fun little venture, uh, and as far as we know, the show could go on for a very long time based sure. on the amount of movies alone that we found. There is no shortage of bad movies. We just go ahead. Oh no! When we were talking about where to even start with a show like this, so. Uh, yeah, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Johnny's got the shows that he's had in the past, and I've got my show going on as well. But these movies don't really fit either one of those shows so it's gonna be fun we both love bad movies so for us to get together and start going through this this is just gonna be a blast man and there will be some crossover and stuff in there i'm sure there'll be movies that that could fit on the other shows except for you know they (laughs) they're just notoriously kind of crap fests right (laughs) and like you said like i really love watching these movies i love a good bad movie oh yeah yeah there's nothing like it because you even ask yourself when you're watching it why am i watching this again so yeah, well, man. some of them just becoming brained in that culture. I mean, you get so many movies that that come out and they're they're so panned by critics. But then five, ten years down the road, you have movies like The Room, where Tommy Wiseau's filling out <laughs> auditoriums full of people that are cheering him on, and he thinks he's a rock star. I, I guess it's because these movies, even though they're bad, they have heart to them, and people enjoy it. Even even through the bad acting and the bad sets, the bad audio, there's a charm to them, and and you know, it's a uh, it's a release, man. It's to take your mind off of everyday stuff. Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, especially when they're as great as the movie we're talking about today. We're going to have several little sections th- for the show. Uh, little, Kind of like if you listen to um, the Helming Power Hour or Kruger Nation in the past. You know, just little fun segments and stuff that go along with the movies and, and just kind of us having fun with it. Sure. Yeah, we still don't know what those really are just yet, but we'll figure it out as we go along. What's the first episode, too? I mean, we'll, we'll fine-tune it. Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and play a promo first before we get into the movies of some of the podcasts that we like. So, stay tuned. Get up! 
Hi, I'm Joe Parker, and I'd like to invite you to check out my show, The Hybrid Moments Podcast. I'm just an average guy with a slew of interests, and the podcast is an extension of that. The theme of the show varies episode by episode, but some of the topics I cover include horror, music, comics, just about anything but politics. So if you like a little variety in your life, come on by and check out the show. You can find me on iTunes or Stitcher, or check out the website, thehybridmomentspodcast.com. You can also join the group on Facebook at The Hybrid Moments Podcast in the group section. Feel free to mingle, leave feedback, or suggestions for future shows. That's The Hybrid Moments Podcast with Joe Parker. Tune in to see what I cover next. We are back with Samurai Cop from 1991. You know, the whole time I watched this movie, Rick, I honestly, I mean, this movie must have been filmed in the 80s, right? Yeah, man, it had to have been, and and just took them too long to release it. And uh, <laughs> and while, while we talk about this, you'll see that the, obviously they went back and did a lot of pickup shots. I don't know if they ran out of money when they were making it, uh, what the deal is with this movie, but there is not another movie like Samurai Cop, but it's got to be 80s just from the elements of things that are in it. Oh, and, and I love the continuity between shots of his real hair and the fake hair. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll definitely get into that, I'm sure, as we go along. Oh, yeah. But this movie is uh, directed by Amir Shervan, who actually wrote it as well. And from what I can tell, he did this movie, Hollywood Cop, and Young Rebels. So I, I honestly don't know the other two. We'll have to dig those up. <laughs> I'm sure they're gold. <laughs> if, they're, if this is any indication, they have to be gold. Oh. But uh, this movie stars, uh, stars, I have to put that in quotation marks, uh, Matthew Caritas as Joe Marshall. You know, the typical name of a samurai cop. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they're like, he's a samurai cop. His name's Joe Marshall. I'm like, Joe Marshall? That is the whitest <laughs> sounding name I've ever heard in my life. But it fits this guy. Oh, yeah. He's he's white. <laughs> and and his, uh, his partner in this movie, who, uh, in, in my opinion, is the best part of the entire movie, is uh, an actor named Mark Fraser. And I, I looked him up. He hasn't done a lot of work. I think he's done about eight things. And this is probably this and Samurai Cops who are probably his biggest breakouts. Um, and it stars the great late uh, Robert Zadar, who's been in tons of these kind of movies. Oh, yeah. Like. Zadar, he is a staple in uh, just the B schlock movies. Yep. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I really enjoy Samurai Cup. I think this movie is, like you said, it's, it's so unique. I, I hadn't seen it before. It, it was about a year ago I saw it for the first time. I mean, I, I was pretty late to this one. And when I finally saw it, I was like, this is absolutely insane. The, the way it starts off, two rival gangs that you really don't know what's going on between the two, but they're they're trying to form an alliance. And it's one of those, if they don't form the alliance, then the other gang's just going to kill them. So <laughs> they, ha- they have a massive alley fight that's pretty much some kicking, but a lot of shooting. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to when this thing kicks off, though, man, and I've got it in my notes here. It just says Samurai Cop could be the worst opening credits and opening theme song of any movie ever because <laughs> this music it sounds like a really bad Atari game it kind of sounds like this oh <laughs> I mean that's that's pretty bad man 
it really it reminds me of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, or one of you the know, con- Contra games or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing is like uh, later when we get to some of our little segments about the movie, that's one thing I mentioned was the uh, the sixty four bit sounding music. <laughs> it just threw me for a loop. I'm like, who the hell composed this? Like some Japanese video game guy? Oh man, and the credits are just plain white letters on a black background. So something that Argento does, and it's an artistic statement. And this guy does it, and you're just going, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's my complete accident. It's all he could afford. Uh, you, you know, a lot of this movie, though, a lot of the stuff is... We were talking about pickup shots and stuff, and I don't know how many pickup shots were done between scenes... Because I know you could tell, obviously, whenever the, the, the main actor has a hair change, but there were some scenes, especially at the beginning here, when there's this basically the samurai cop and his partner Frank, and they're like they're I don't want to call her a slut, but they're kind of promiscuous uh, female coworker slash hell. It was she flying the helicopter? I think she she's was right. Flying the helicopter, yeah, yeah. Okay, because later in the movie they act like she's a nobody, like like deputy or something, but. They're following this blue van that looks like it was painted by a preschool class. <laughs> I mean, the, the only thing it was lacking was, like, actual, like, paint handprints on the side of it. <laughs> to me, it looked like it had Missile Command painted on the side. <laughs> it looked like little laser lights coming down, and it's a big cloud, and it's, like, powder blue. And I was like, wow. <laughs> That's the thing I... I loved those, like, whenever Frank and, and uh, the Samurai Cop, who, like we said later, his name's Joe Marshall, because I, I just refer to him as Samurai Cop. I forget his real name, because yeah. it's, it's much lamer to just say Joe Marshall. <laughs> he sounds like a principal. But uh, they're about to get in the car to, to go on this high-speed chase, and they're talking to each other, and they point across the way to look at something else, and it looks like it's in a completely different town, not even in the same area. <laughs> exactly. And I've even got it to where they, they got the helicopter up in the air, and it's following the van. And you can see the van across from the car, not even 20 yards away. And they're like, do you see it? Can you see the van? I'm like, dude, it's right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she can see it. And you can, too, if you turn your head to the left. Did you notice, though, there's a part where um, they kind of slow down during this chase? They're kind of creeping a little bit. I don't know. It's like the chase winds down a little bit and then it amps up again. But when it dies down for that, like, few seconds, their back tires flat. Oh, in the yeah. Samurai Cop car. Oh, yeah, man. There's, it's, like, completely flat. A drinking game you guys can play when you're watching this is just watch how many times the hubcaps change wheels. Because there's always one missing, but it always changes which wheel it's missing off of. Usually things like that don't stand out, but it stands out on this car. No, this movie in general, like, you notice every little thing. Yeah, man, like you said, the but, wig. The wig, when he comes out with the wig on and tries to put that hat on, and it won't even fit on his head because the wig is so big. Uh, <laughs> it's just the funniest looking thing ever. It is. It's, it's, it's almost bouffant or something. It looks like like a country singer's hair from the 70s. <laughs> but I love this this car chase because it feels like it goes on forever. It does. <laughs> they're meeting. Well, they're not even meeting these guys at the dock. They're just watching them until they do like a, a, a trade off at the dock. Yeah. And half the guys that are trading off the, the briefcases, which the briefcases look like something that somebody literally picked out of the dumpster. They were so beat up and stuff. <laughs> Like, not something like drug dealers and stuff would actually deal in, but uh, it's like half the band from, like, Duran Duran or another New Wave band there at the dock to do the trade-off. Yeah, I was about to say it's like the, the most casual-looking drug dealers I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really did look like they got off the set for a New Wave music video. <laughs> 
But so they get back in the van and they drive off, and that's when the real. That's, I think that's when they're waiting for him. And I notice the flat tire. Oh. And then this, this huge, this huge car chase starts, and it turns into a gunfight. This guy opens the back door of the van. And he's shooting, and it looks like it looks like Samurai Cop is dodging bees to get away from bullets. <laughs> yeah, and the whole no, time he's, like, he's not really moving that much. He just looks. Like he's just doing these tiny little right. movements. And that's what I love about it, because you're hearing just a hail of bullets coming at this car that's behind him. They're shooting at Samurai Cop and his partner, and there's no windshield busted out. There's no damage to the car, <laughs> and it's just like either this guy's a really really bad shot, <laughs> or, or they just said you know we don't, we can't afford to, to blow up the car that's already a piece of crap. So, but what I love is during that whole time, like you said, when he's dodging the bees, you hear this. Shoot! Shoot him! <laughs> I was shooting. <laughs> Shoot! Shoot him! Shoot him! <laughs> This is where they run him over, too. Oh, yes. That's where the dude falls out of the back of the van and they run over him. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they have like, there's, they have the most plain reaction to just like <laughs> squishing a human being on the road. <laughs> they, I mean, the way they play their, their, their characters in this movie, for the most part, are supposed to be straight played. <laughs> and man, they just, they're so hammy every time they're on screen. You, the thing I like though, like, I, I'm glad you, you got an audio clip because I was thinking if you took a drink every time they said shoot in that scene, <laughs> you would be floored. <laughs> and the scenes where it's, you know, where they're trying to crank up the action, you know, you can tell that they overcrank the camera to speed up the film and so so I mean it's almost like you can hear Benny Hill music in the background <laughs> so basically the van not for any really good reason I guess the driver gets shot in the throat but he just he crashes into this you know, pretty decent sized rock but nothing that's too bad and the van just explodes like something out of a Michael Bay movie yeah. <laughs> and this guy gets out of the van and you can just see he, that he's drenched in like you know this, the fire retardant stuff right so he basically like runs over and I, I think they may have done the screaming in ADR because it, it looked like he was just pretty calm especially uh, when they have they have him on the ground and like maybe we should do something so they get blankets and while he's on the ground you can see him kind of looking around for people to put him out just like hurry up guys I'm burning up here and that's I love why you don't trust actors to do that to put you out <laughs> and I love it when they're putting the guy out and Peggy's in the helicopter above him and she's talking into her headset and she goes good job guys but the thing is is they act like they can hear her but neither one of them have a radio and they respond back to her and there's no radio they can't, there's no way they can hear what she's saying what, what does he do there too because like what she says he, like, points, he points at her and goes i'll see you back at your place yeah and she responds okay my place it is and i'm like wow <laughs> oh man this movie one thing there's i don't know man i i think his name is uh, fujiyama is the he's like the main crime boss <laughs> He, he sends his main henchman, who has a name kind of like Fujiyama. It's another like very Japanese-sounding name, but it's Robert Zadar. So you're you're wondering how he got that name, and so he sends Tony Katana and the beardy jaw guy um, to go cut off the bird victim's head. <laughs> she did look like her a little bit. I was about to say she probably had the coolest role in the movie because all she had to do was stand there and go, "Here comes the boss." I mean, that's her job. Every time the boss comes down, here comes the boss. The boss is coming. That's all she does is tell everybody when the boss is coming. 
But also, I mean, that whole scene when they're in that hospital room and Robert Zadar is cutting the head like a, a cheese loaf with a sword. Like, it's so it, it's so fast and simple. And when they pick up the head, it looks like it, it weighs as much as an apple. Right, right. It is probably just a styrofoam, you know, mannequin head or something. So, But what I love about it is, is the main bad guy looks like me when I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> with the hair. You look like Robert Zadar? No, I look like the other, the Japanese guy, the main bad oh, guy. Oh, Fujiyama. Fujiyama. And, uh, man, his acting. Come on. <laughs> his line delivery was so bad. There, I got this one here. So they call him Samurai, huh? Yes. <laughs> his real name is Joe Marshall. They call him Samurai. He speaks fluent Japanese. He got his martial arts training from the masters in Japan. He was brought over here from the police force in San Diego to fight us. To fight us? To fight me? <laughs> to fight us? Operation. To kill you and my other men. To put handcuffs on me and put me in the gas chamber. What? At the end there, he almost sounds like he hits a little Hispanic. If he's a samurai, what the hell are you? I'll get to know him. And then we'll see who the real samurai is. So you know where our man is? Yes, boss. I know the hospital and the room. And he's burned bad. Real bad. Real bad. (laughs) He won't be able to talk. I want him dead. I want his head right here. I want his head on this piano. Every man in my organization understands once more that no katana gets captured alive or talks. (laughs) I want his head on this piano. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Joe Marshall, he can speak fluent Japanese. But you got this line right after it. So anyway, you get on the phone and you tell me that these, uh, what's his name, Omaha, Yamaha, whatever his face his name is. (laughs) Fluent Japanese. (laughs) Well, why would they even mention the fluent Japanese if they knew they were never going to use it ever in the movie? Nope. It's like he knows fluent Japanese. I also like that though when when he says the line "gas chamber" because he almost hits one of those like San Diego Mexican accents. He's like, "Don't yeah. see me in the gas chamber." Gas chamber. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. You know the one thing I really I really like is uh, whenever Tony Katana and Beardy uh, Jaw they go into there to keep, to cut the guy's head off. The cop on guard tells them to call security. Why in the living hell would a cop tell you to call security? <laughs> you're, you're the you're cop. <laughs> you're the one that's watching the room. <laughs> well, he, I mean, and, and I guess in his defense, I mean, he was so shocked because he was sitting there flirting with the nurse at the end of the hall. Oh, it's man. funny. They, they give him they give him one order. They're like, they tell five guys, they're like four or five guys. We need you to watch every angle of this room. And then they tell him, all you need to do is guard this door. And as soon as they walk off, he goes down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the fact you, you just said it while I go with Tony Katana. And, and bearded man goes in there and the, the cart that she's pushing is knee high it's a little bitty cart so Rob Zadar climbs out out of this thing and I swear this thing is only knee high there's no way he can physically fit into that cart man there's just no well, way also did you notice though also that when she's pushing it down the hall it has like a massive trash can in the middle of it right so you you want me to assume this like six foot five guy not only was in this little car but he was in that trash can right <laughs> like oscar the grouch and that stuff i mean when you see him bow down like he's gonna get into it it just cuts away because they knew right then oh he's not gonna fit in that and i love the fact that when they get outside you know your gang is serious when your getaway car is a Chevy Cavalier convertible. <laughs> and he's just hanging out the back of it as she's driving off. 
I, I, I do think I would appreciate this movie more if when he was getting out of that that little laundry bin, if it was Billy Barty in that role. <laughs> the pearl is in the river. And I love the fact that oh. the red-headed girls even got time to, like, adjust the steering wheel because they're in such a hurry to get away. <laughs> when she gets in the car, she's like, eh, no, that's not right. Uh, up a little higher. There, there we go. That's good. That's good. Now I'll start backing up. And I'm like, oh. you know, she was just yelling at him going, come on, we got to go. <laughs> well, how many asses does Robert Zadar kick on his way out of the hospital? <laughs> and mean, meanwhile, and, and, and he and her are both running away. And as soon as they're going for the car, they, you have like two other guys stop him and ask for ID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you not see the trail of bodies he left behind? It's just they're everywhere, man. And I'm surprised they're not running over those when they're leaving in the Chevy Cavalier. <laughs> oh, man. The, the next scene I I absolutely love, and I don't think this character was in the movie enough, was the, the unstable police captain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never. I mean, he cusses with. I mean, as far as acting in art goes, he cusses with an art. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a sample. Oh, I gotta hear it, Captain. What did I do wrong? Everything you did was wrong. You're the one that talked me into bringing this moron from San Diego to fight the uh, Japanese Katana Gang. <laughs> you know what the results are? A man in our custody lost his head. An officer lost his hand. And there are three police officers in the hospital right now. God damn you guys. All you've done has cost me bloodshed and mayhem. And me misery, my future. This man has been here one week and I almost lost my job. If he's here one more week, I might well end up in jail and die of a heart attack. And I don't want that. Hey, I've been here one week. <laughs> and just how long will it take you to bring him to their knees? One week? One month? Next year? At what cost and how many lives? With all due respect, sir, now I can get these guys. All I'm asking for is more time. But I don't have the time, and I don't have the patience. And I don't have much more credit in this department to have bodies laying around me. Fine. You don't want me here anymore? All you got to do is ship me back to my place in San Diego. You bet your ass I will. You're on your way to San Diego, and I'll write the order. <laughs> so, he's possibly the best actor in the movie. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I do appreciate how he says, I will have a heart attack, and I don't like that. <laughs> Not many people do, Captain. <laughs> oh, man. There are several scenes later where he, he like really lays into some people, where he'll be talking to one person, and he'll be almost in a, a decent mood, and then the next person walks in, and he just he lights snaps. him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the way he does it, too, is just like, <laughs> it is, it's almost like he goes from Jim Neighbors to Arley Ermy. It's fun. This, that's the thing is this movie. I mean, no matter how much I, you could find wrong with it, this movie, I, I come away every time I watch it with a, a giant smile on my face. Right. They do nothing right. Every, they fail at everything in this movie, but it's so much fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is it's it's basically. I mean, you could put. I mean, it's it's, it's in that group of movies. You know, your Troll Twos and your Manos right. and all those movies. The movies that you watch and you're like, this is like they didn't even try. Right. Well, the next scene is when they go to the restaurant when the the, the Katana Gang is there and they walk in and the waitress goes to see Samurai Joe, <laughs> and the waitress looks right at the camera. You're like, you can't even do an on screen just a <laughs> you know, a cameo without ruining it. <laughs> you you know, there actually are a couple of characters in that scene at the table that they do like almost a break the fourth wall look into the camera oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and even even Robert Zadar does one at one point even though I'm sure it was it, his was probably more intentional but I love it because he goes in there to, to threaten Fujiyama and 
Rubber Zadar stands up like they're going to throw down in the middle of this restaurant. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's the there's the Americana speech. Now, I'm telling these son of a bitches <laughs> that we respect the Japanese of this country who are honest businessmen. And yeah, this is the land of opportunity for legitimate business, not for death merchants who distribute drugs to our children through schools and on the streets. <laughs> you tell them, Joe. Now, I'm telling these m****. That if they, could they always, hit, they always hit that sharp to make their precious millions that they deposit in their secret Swiss bank accounts. <laughs> Counselor, before your lawsuit even gets off the court clerk's desk, I'll have their stinking bodies in garbage bags and ship them back to Japan for fertilizer. Got it? <laughs> Oh, I love it because it seems like there are so many times where they're trying to do like a really badass sounding quip or something or like a right. one liner. And it just is like, what are you even talking about? Right. <laughs> well, have their, their stinking bodies and garbage bags used for fertilizer. <laughs> something has to be said about that flamboyant waiter. He to me, he needed he needed his own spinoff film. This guy. Who's that blonde girl? Oh, her name is Jennifer. He's the boss. <laughs> the boss? You mean she owns this place? Her mother owns the place. Where's her father? <laughs> Bang! <laughs> Killed? Who shot him? He! Who? Him! Who's him? Himself! Oh, he committed suicide. Yes! Wow! <laughs> 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 it's like Tigger. <laughs> He is, he is he is straight out of a freaking Mary Melodies cartoon. It's nuts, man. I mean, it, and it just comes out of nowhere. There's no rhyme or reason to have this in this part of the movie. No, I, I would like to see him in his own his own spinoff. Follow that guy around all day. <laughs> He's hilarious, man. And then you got uh, oh, man. what's up with that lion head? It's in that woman's office, man. It's like a crocheted. Lion head. It's the weirdest looking thing I've ever seen in my life. It it, it looks like a prop out of uh, like a kindergarten version of Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. It's really weird, man. And you can't even watch what's going on with the interaction of the characters because that lion head sitting there. You're like, did somebody focus? Did somebody make that thing? Did did they give it away? Is was it from Goodwill? I, I can't figure this thing out. <laughs> Oh, I forgot all about that until you mentioned it. But yeah, because it looks like you, the mane looks like yarn. <laughs> it's just like some kind of kids' art craft thing that they <laughs> that they. Built. Oh, that's sweet. Our, our our nephew made that. We'll stick it on the wall for this scene. Well, that's good though, because I mean the nephew also painted the van earlier, so <laughs> <laughs> they had him doing some overtime on the set directions or the art directions since they didn't really have money. I, I love that they go outside. Like they go outside to leave, and automatically Robert Zadar and these henchmen who attack one at a time um they go out there and they have this basically like a, a parking lot brawl and so the samurai cop and uh his partner was it frank frank they're out there beating the hell out of jeff lynn from elo kirk cameron <laughs> there's they chop off a dude's arm jaws <laughs> pulls a grenade out of his pants and blows up the whole area <laughs> It's, it's a lot of death. I mean, for yeah. nobody to even come out and notice. Yeah, it's, it's a well-executed, bad 
action scene. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, the dude getting his arm cut off is hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's especially when he's laying on the ground and he's like, you could just see his whole arm laying next to him. <laughs> I mean, it'd been inside just his shirt. If he, just, if he just picked it up and started hitting people with it, it'd only make it better. I mean, <laughs> it's the only thing that could have made it any better. <laughs> oh, as soon as, as soon as they went out there, I, I thought immediately. I was like, I was like, I didn't know Jeff Lynn was in this movie. And then the, <laughs> the, the, the second guy that runs up looked just like Kirk Cameron. <laughs> Rebel, lemma, 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 rock and roll is king. <laughs> oh, it's a living thing, but not in this movie because he died pretty fast. <laughs> it's something uh, I haven't done. <laughs> oh man, it, it, you, they, there's a, a line later, I, maybe right after this. I think it's as soon as um, I don't remember even who says it. I think it, it's Samurai Cop. I think it's a Joe that says it. But he, he mentions, oh, that's what he's talking to the girl in her office, and he tells her. He goes back later that day and he tells her that Fujiyama's the number one wanted criminal. <laughs> And I'm like, if that's a known thing by the police department, and you guys know where he is at all times, why won't you pick him up? Right. Uh, this is not the time of Capone where, where you know, you couldn't get anything on him, and so you just let him, you know, do their thing. I mean, if you know this guy's a wanted man, go get him! So so right after this, though, they go to, uh, they get information about uh, that other, like, rival guy, the, the bald guy, the, the Asian dude with the big goatee. Okamara, yeah. Okamara, that's his name. And, uh... I love when it's not really a stakeout as much as it's a bunch of bumbling cops hanging around while Samurai Cop and uh, Frank go inside. <laughs> but the meanwhile, the the, the 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 black guy says he says, uh, "Man, the, the chief's gonna burn my ass." And he's like, "It's already black." And then and then he says something about, "No, he'll he'll he'll, he'll also circumcise or cut my dick off or something like that." And the female cop's like, "Oh, she, she's basically saying things like, well, you better come over here first so we can get some good use out of it.'" <laughs> and as soon as as soon as they walk off to go into like to go into bust this dude or whatever, she turns over to this like middle not even middle age. He's probably like in his fifties or sixties. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, "Hey, wanna go?" F-? <laughs> <laughs> and he tells her, "He's like, no." Just like in the most disgusted. <laughs> and this is response. this is Peggy. This is the helicopter chick. And so I mean, she's she's getting around, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh. and I love the but, fact uh, that there's another shot where the where the the bad guys are getting together the and and you get that cool shot where they put the camera under the glass table and they shoot you know up through the glass table where you get you know this cool you know creative scene I guess but I love the guy that's standing over in the corner because he looks just like Kumo D <laughs> he's just standing there for no reason it's like where did this guy come from is he part of the group because he's definitely not Japanese it's just I don't know it's the weirdest thing man. Yeah. Well, it makes you wonder where they're getting these. Yeah, where they're getting their henchmen and stuff from. It's it's crazy. And then you get the other guy. Remember when they they go to that cop's house. Well, we need to get to Okinawa, Okinawa, Okinawa. Oh, was it Nakamura? Okamara. Oh yeah, he's the one that um they they basically walk in on him. He's about to to get down with this woman, and they, <laughs> which is they, disgusting. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, there's a pretty good shot of them just like focusing on on his crotch and her butt <laughs> and it's it's there's a few of those in this movie though this i mean it's like, yeah. Yeah, trust me there's there's some, several scenes where you're like they could have not lingered on that shot that long <laughs> yeah just fast forward through that <laughs> but i i love how frank and joe go to this guy's sliding glass door because they are so visible to any kind of like yeah. it's daylight it's bright and they're just standing there basically watching this guy you know <laughs> about to get it on with this woman and of course, as soon as they get noticed, they didn't think about, you know, maybe testing the lock because they have trouble opening that glass door. 
<laughs> he says there are struggles like two or three times, and I, I think eventually they just break it. And I love when Okamara gets up and he takes off and he grabs the suitcase and he runs outside. So he's carrying the suitcase and he stops to open the suitcase to get a gun out of it. I'm like, is that why you're carrying the suitcase? Because they had the gun in it, or there's no reason for him to have this suitcase. Even when they fight, just... there's no reason for the suitcase. <laughs> oh, that, that fight's pretty great, too. Oh, yeah. It, it basically, Okamura dies, which th- that's one of the things that comes up later is the fact that Samurai Cop's not really effective at bringing people in. <laughs> no, no, no. There, there's nobody to bring in. They all die. I didn't really mention it earlier, but uh, there was the, there's a whole scene coming up where... Where Joe and the owner of the restaurant, he forces his way into her Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah. Where do you go pick up chicks? At church, of course. <laughs> and then he tells her he was le- he was leading the sermon. <laughs> he, she's like, I didn't see you. He said, I was leading the sermon. <laughs> he's a smooth That's guy. a good pickup line, I guess. Oh, yeah. He's, he's smooth. Well, I love this, though, because they go back to his place. I, he... Tells her he's taking her to the precinct, and then it didn't dawn on her until they're actually in his living room that they're not at the precinct. Wait a minute. You didn't take me in. <laughs> it's great because they had this, like, early to mid-afternoon little, like, wine dinner thing going on, and then they go for a pretty awkward swim and walk on the beach. Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, he's wearing the same swim swimsuit bottoms as her. <laughs> Yeah. And there's a lot of focus on ass in these scenes. Yeah, yes, there is. There is. It's, uh, again, that's, uh, and he's, you know, he's a built up dude, but come on, man. It's like, uh, you could have cut a lot of this out because it really does not help your movie at all. Maybe, no. Maybe, no. Tr- maybe no. try. The only I mean. thing it did, well, I would say that's the only thing it did was what came next in the movie was the fact that, um, that Fujiyama and, uh, Jaws. They they basically are going to go take out the people closest to him to find him. And the first person they go to is a cop who I don't remember seeing earlier in this movie. Right. The one who was there with his wife and he's like doing yep. his little workout. Well, I do you, think. Do you, I do think, you remember him? I think that's the guy that Peggy was hitting on outside of Okamaro's place earlier. She's like, "Hey, let's go behind the bushes over here." And he's like, "No." I think it was that guy. And uh, so he he easily they established him for a good five seconds sure. earlier in the movie. <laughs> and then they bring him back as a character who knows Samurai Cop. Right. Yeah. So the henchmen go in there and they, you know, gonna kill his wife and kill him if he doesn't give them the information they're looking for. So he starts making up a bunch of crap. But even though they end up killing his wife and killing him, I love the henchman. My favorite person in the whole movie is the one henchman that all he does is rubs the barrel of his gun. He doesn't pay attention to anything else that's going on. He's just loving that gun, man. <laughs> Never uses it. He just he's got this love affair with this pistol. I swear. I don't think I noticed him actually. Oh, you gotta watch that again, man, because it is the weirdest. Oh, I, it's like I don't know what to do. Hey, man, just just rub the barrel of your gun, man. And he looks like, yeah, man, I love. Ooh, yeah, it feels good. It's just the weirdest thing. <laughs> well, the, the the further you get into this movie, the henchmen become just all. I mean, they're already all over the place as far as looks and and you know stuff goes. But the further you get into this movie, man, I mean, it looks like half of Backman Turner Overdrive's the hench, henching for him, and then you have just random dudes from like uh, Bill Biv DeVoe in there. And right, when you know, it's like there were so many random people. Yeah, it's the worst bunch of henchmen ever, man. They they're, they're not good at what they do at all. We established that earlier with them trying to shoot a car from the back of a van that's only. I don't know, 20 feet away, and they can't even hit the windshield or anything. <laughs> so uh, that's what you're dealing with, man. They might as well be, be stormtroopers. They're that bad at shots. 
<laughs> well, ne- I mean, next you get uh, you get them going to uh, Frank's house, and oh, this scene, this is a great scene. This is a this is a fan. I guess Frank's getting out of the shower, so he has nothing on but a towel or something. <laughs> and it's just they they only sent two henchmen to his place, which is funny because later they send Robert Zadar and like five other guys to the girl. But the guy who's been with Samurai Cop killing people this whole time, right? They only send two two little weasels. Right, and one of them is the guy that's in love with his gun. That's the <laughs> the one guy. And then you get the other. Is he guy. the one that's standing off by the door? Yeah, yeah. And then you get the other guy that's got a knife on Frank, and you hear these lines. Come on, talk to me. What, what, what do you want? I can kill you now, or I can relieve you of this gift, this black gift. In a split second, you won't enjoy yourself the rest of your life. <laughs> You will never in another movie, as long as you live, hear somebody threatening to cut off a black man's gift as he's like, they're basically all looking down at his crotch. He's like, this gift, this black gift. He like puts emphasis on black, the black right, gift. Right. <laughs> Who wrote the damn lines in this movie? Oh, man. I wonder if they ad-libbed them. It's, it might, they might as well have. <laughs> Well, uh, he takes care of these guys pretty easily, but they're pretty, pretty harmless, really. <laughs> Once yeah. he gets a little, you know, Frank's a bad broom dude. on him, and, uh, and that's why I'm excited to see the sequel because he, Frank's back. And there are so many scenes of this movie where there will be a whole conversation going on between you know samurai cop and a nurse, or samurai cop and another uh, officer, and Frank's just sitting there. They'll just cut to his face, and he's making like these like almost like like he's trying to entertain kids at a birthday party kind of face or something. <laughs> Yeah, he's just making like buckwheat surprise faces, like ooh. That's what it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> so this this part to me, this next part was I think she got it the worst of everybody. They go see the female Kappa, the, and again it's Robert Zadar, and I want to say four or five of the guys. There's a bunch of them. For some reason, she's just got a big skillet full of oil going, that <laughs> full blast on her stove. Yeah. And so they go in there and uh, they're interrogating her, and, and uh, they lean her back and start to pour it on her I guess is her stomach she's gonna make some onion rings and just things went wrong oh yeah well and, and the thing is too I mean she I don't know it just seemed like a lot of overkill to take her down yeah like, it seemed like Zadarsh gone after Frank yeah I mean you, like you said you got two guys at, at one place three guys in another place and it, they send just a whole militia to take this girl out and she's got a you know a, a, a cooking iron that's all she's got you know just I don't know Weird, Do you think she choices. died? They never, they never, they never come back to that. I assume she died from the burns. I don't know. Yeah, I don't see how she would have, but who knows? Because <laughs> other dude was burnt bad, real bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that when they when they say uh, he when they go into the hospital to see that dude who was burned real bad. Don't they? The, when you play that clip, he says something to the effect of he won't even be able to hear us. And I'm thinking he can't see you either. His whole <laughs> face is bandaged like the mummy. <laughs> Y'all got him wrapped so tight like a burrito, he can't do anything. But this, pretty much, uh, Frank eventually, you know, through all of the the water aerobics and stuff that Joe's doing with his girlfriend, uh, he finally manages to get through to to, or Frank manages to get through to Joe and yeah. tell him you need you need to get out of there. But That's of course, right. at that. At that point, I mean, they're already there. Yeah, they, they all show up, and then out there by the pool, I've, I've got where Samurai Joe kills the guy. He looks like the guitar player from Loverboy, and he falls in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> and it, like, pans back to him, and there's, like, no blood in the pool or anything. It's just the guy floating there. <laughs> and then from that point, the captain just gives him the go-ahead to go cause a bloodbath, man. Go take care of it. 
Oh, I love that scene. He tells me, and and he tells the guy earlier in the movie, he's he's like, "F you, I'll see you in hell." And then when he tells them later, he's like, "I get," he gives them the go ahead. He goes, "I want them all dead." And then they're like, "Thanks." So like, "See you later." He's like, "I'll see you in hell." He tells everybody, "I'll see you in hell." It's like that's his farewell. I don't think you should tell. Yeah. Well, sometimes he says it angrily, and the other time it's just kind of like his his departing, you know, like sentiment. Yeah. For, from that 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 point on, basically the entire movie is a, a bloodbath because they go to to me it looked like almost like a ranch house or something but yeah. then they cut back and it looks almost like it could be it looks like it could be on a ranch and it looks like it could be in like the city yeah it, it's just the weirdest locations man it, it's you're going to the main bad guy's house which you saw earlier which was kind of a nice two-story kind of thing inside but you see these guys and it just looks like an old rundown chicken farm or something it's just the weirdest <laughs> locations I like, well as soon as they get in there too um they're confronted by um God, I keep forgetting his name Fujiyama and he has taken Samurai Cop's girlfriend hostage and it's, it's kind of a weird scene because the whole thing is shot through like an erotic piece of art that's there right there's like a black sculpture <laughs> with like a naked woman leaning backwards and it, I think they almost went for an artsy like they, they really thought they were doing something pretty like cutting edge because right. the, the whole scene is shot through that art and uh, it's it's pretty funny because there's just some great things like uh, Samurai Cop has his gun up. Frank comes down the stairs and he's got his gun on him. And so they, they end up doing what Fujiyama says. And of course, he's not a man of his word. So first thing he does is shoot Frank and they end up taking out Fujiyama with barely any kind of uh, effort at all, really. Right, right. It was pretty... But, I mean, for the, for the main bad guy, he was not very bad. And that's kind of the problem with this whole game, well, man. Is I mean, you've got bad guys out here that have an Uzi and they can't hit a guy that's hiding behind one small tree. I mean, you could cut the tree in half with this gun and you can't hit a guy. You know, and then they turn around with a pistol and bang, got the guy. And I'm also blown away that this is a Japanese gang and there's only two Japanese people in the whole gang. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely no Yakuza or anything like that. <laughs> the Katana gang. <laughs> I love that when, when Frank gets shot by Fujiyama, he gets he gets shot and he exclaims in horror and, and he shrieks like he just like he like he's dead. And then he gets up and he shoots Fujiyama and as soon as he gets up he had I had one thing he didn't have bulletproof vest. Right. <laughs> but the way he the way he shrieked was like you would think he was just shot like in the femoral artery or something. <laughs> And talk about continuity with this movie, man. When Yamashita, which is big guy, when he shows up to fight in the big fight at the end, what is he in? A Suzuki Samurai. <laughs> is he, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I was like, you have got to be kidding me, man. <laughs> I can see I can see Joe Marshall, Samurai Cop, walking by being like, oh, he got his name put on the car. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can take the biggest guy that's in the movie, the dude's almost seven foot tall, and you put him in a Suzuki Samurai. I really love this this last fight scene between them two, the, the sword fight the, the fact that when it first starts off they're a good you know like half or block and a half away from each other when they do the wide shot and they're just slowly creeping toward each other with swords uh, but this scene's great because it goes on for so long and the whole time it goes on if you look at the both guys hair you can just tell like so much has changed besides you know obviously one guy doesn't have hair anymore and he's wearing a share wig and <laughs> <laughs> the other guy is just I think they just made his really messy so no one would be able to notice that it's maybe a little bit shorter than before <laughs> but it's it's great because uh, it, it does it goes on forever and ever and to me it was pretty in, anticlimactic you know as far as a movie called Samurai Cop can go right because you know you expect Samurai Cop to take him out but 
I guess Frank convinces Joe at the last minute. He's like, oh, we're cops still, you know, disregarding what the captain said. Just kill everybody. It's like, and they're like, well, he's, he's a samurai. He must die with honor. And I'm thinking, he's done nothing with honor in this entire movie. <laughs> He's the most unsamurai person in the whole movie. Oh, but yeah, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a you know samurai cop movie without another shot of them on the beach and their uh, matching <laughs> bikini bottoms. <laughs> yep, and everybody lived happily ever after. I mean, again, folks, uh, you just you have to see it. You have to see this movie. There's we can't do it justice. There's no way. But uh, as crazy as the story is. This thing is just bonkers, man. Every line, every shot, there's just something wrong every time. And <laughs> and it's just beautiful. Well, I, I really like the fact that they, they went out of their way. I mean, because I know Frank put in a good word for Joe, but they went out of their way to find, you know, a cop that also had mastered, you know, Japanese samurai skills and things oh, to yeah. pull in from another another precinct. Sure. It's just, it's it's so funny to me. Fluent Japanese, man. <laughs> I'm glad they told us that, too, because those scenes were all the subtitles. <laughs> Could you yeah. imagine that actor trying to speak in Japanese? Oh, man, it had been terrible. Well, I mean, he tried. Remember, he says, oh, Omaha, Yamaha, whatever the name was. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's terrible. Terrible, terrible. Uh, it, it's oh. so much fun. As far as this movie goes, in general, I, I uh, there, you know, we talked about some segments and stuff, some things to that we could use for these movies and you had a segment called Under My Wheels which basically is movie, like songs that would fit these movies pretty well anytime there was like a buddy cop scene I just thought Ebony and Ivory every time <laughs> did you did you do any top top five whys <laughs> I didn't do anything <laughs> okay I, I got I guess why is that why are samurais so shooty <laughs> oh. like there's a lot of gunfights and things in this movie, and a lot less samuraiing going on. Oh man, yeah. I mean, why do you have guys that are supposed to be thugs that are drug dealers, dressed like they're just on a Bahama trip and just wearing white tennis shoes and just hanging out? Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess well, if you don't want actually... to look, don't want to look like a gangster, I guess that's the way to go. Well, that's actually my next thing: is uh, why are new wave bands doing shady things in the in the harbor? <laughs> Uh, but one thing you can take away from this movie is if you drive a 1985 van at about 15 miles per hour into a brick wall or a, a rock side of a cliff or whatever, uh, it's going to explode. And you're going to run so you around. better have a stuntman in there. Yeah, he's going to run around on fire. That's just going to happen. Also, I, I, I was like, why does Samurai Cop wear the same bikini bottom as his love interest? <laughs> it, as soon as you see her walk out, and you're like, oh, that's kind of nice. Oh, my God, what's he wearing? <laughs> <laughs> the, the fight scene that's in the, I guess, the bar part of the restaurant... Why did that even happen? Where, where they chase the guy out and he chases it down the road and you see the guy actually trip. I mean, you can tell it's a real trip and he falls down and he's hurt. Oh, the real. <laughs> First he goes down the stairs and then he trips all the way through the parking lot. <laughs> one thing, uh, one thing that um, I thought was funny because it happened twice in the movie, but it most notably happened at the restaurant scene when he when Samurai Cop threatens all of them is uh, and I said, why does Robert Zadar get his own fourth wall breaking music? <laughs> because. <laughs> He stands up real fast and just like, dum, as soon as it, just like, it hits his face. It, it was like something out of, I mean, it was so perfectly placed. 
that yeah it just was great why do you take the biggest person in the movie that's a huge guy and constantly put him in situations where he will not fit either in a trash in a trash can <laughs> or in a Suzuki Samurai it's almost like it was an ongoing joke <laughs> they were like we were we were gonna get Jalil White to do this role but he turned us down so Robert Zadar could you can you do this <laughs> we assumed Urkel could fit anywhere we put him <laughs> and how does how does uh, Zadar know so much about Samurai Cop. We're just, I mean, did he, did he Google him or, I mean, <laughs> where this that information was a lot of exposition. From? Man, he yeah, knew he had everything. a lot of exposition. Oh, and, and he had a genuine, like, you could just tell he had a genuine hatred for Samurai Cop. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole movie, I mean, Robert Zadar is, is a pretty decent actor in the sense that he, he does a boat pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Maniac Cop, man. I, I love this movies. Yeah. And he's in other stuff I love. They're not good movies, but I love them. <laughs> like Soul Taker and things like that. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the we talked about a segment called Movie Upgrade. You know, things that could possibly right. make a movie better. Um, Man. Did you, get, did you get anything in this one? Uh, a new script. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a script in general. Some better dialogue. You need, like you said, you need a spinoff of that waiter. He needs his own show. He could have been like one of those quirky sitcom characters back in the nineties. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. He. I don't know if he could, you know, do that little like a Snagglepuss or Huckleberry Hound voice the whole time, but <laughs> <laughs> it was still pretty interesting. I was gonna say I wish the movie had less real hair and, and more wigs. Ooh. Yeah. Just the, the, they were so absurd. Like I wish at the end they would have just put a big wig on Frank. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, the movie'd been better if it had all four hubcaps. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I need to go back and watch because I, you know, I noticed the flat tire, but I did not notice the hubcap switching oh, between man. scenes. Nonstop, and I'm talking like edited scenes one back to the other and it constantly moves i mean it was just going down the road it just jumps from one side of the car to the other it's crazy oh, that is that's great yeah I, I i wrote down at the very beginning of this movie that this movie would be much better it'd be an upgrade if it had 60 64 bit graphics to go with the soundtrack <laughs> yes Yeah, I could just see I could just see a 64-bit Frank cheesing it up for the camera. That's what we need to do, man. We need to release Samurai Cop the game. You know, sadly, I'll bet you there's a huge market for that. What would make this movie? I don't know about sadly, but man, have you ever played the Manos: The Hands of Fate game? No, I have not. It is. It's pretty fun. You can actually. I don't think it costs anything. It's on a lot of like the iTunes and the um, the Google Play Store. But uh, the last thing I have that I thought would make this movie a lot better is Tommy Wiseau. And what's, the, what's that you say? Tommy Wiseau is one of the main villains in the sequel to Samurai Cop? <laughs> Sounds like they're going to improve upon their formula. Oh, man. So, yeah, like I said, I've yet to see the, the sequel, so I have to definitely check that out. There was one more thing, one more segment. It was good lessons from bad movies. <laughs> yeah, I learned to never join a Japanese cantata gang. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd fit in because you'd be just as unique as everybody else. <laughs> There was there was no consistency between henchmen or villains. Um, I, what I put was a maybe not have a ton of boiling oil on your stove ever. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good idea either. Just a ton, especially if you know you might be someone who's a potential uh, target. And I learned that uh, I should never let anybody take away my black gift. <laughs> oh man, I'm just gonna start referring to it as my black gift. <laughs> 
I also did learn something in this that it was not as much as something that um, it's not really a good lesson from a bad movie, but it's a really bad joke from a bad movie. Is I learned what an undercover cop is. They go under things. <laughs> There's a scene in this movie where Samurai Cop takes all this time to jump this massive gate and Frank just slides real slowly underneath the bottom of it. He said, why don't you go over? Because I'm an undercover cop. <laughs> This movie, uh, this is this, to me. This is a this is a gem of a um, of this kind of movie. Yeah, it, it's bad on every level, but it's a good kind of bad. This is one that you can get t- together with friends and just laugh and laugh. And it's a shame because I know that they were trying to make an actual action type movie. It just didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, but I also do a like. I, I do give them prompts for. It felt like there was a lot of heart in this movie, even though they didn't really, they didn't really execute something like that as well as they could have. Right. <laughs> I yeah. feel like every every time every time Frank was on screen, I felt like he genuinely or he just really wanted to be there and just just cheese it up, ham it up on camera. Yeah. It, it, it's you know even you know like you said going back to just his facial expressions and where they put him in the scenes, it, it's hard to even know what this director was thinking or if he was thinking at all. <laughs> it is just one hot hot I would, mess. Man. <laughs> I think eventually we're going to get to his other movies on the show. I don't yeah. think there's any way he went on to do anything Oscar worthy or anything. Uh, well, now that you said that, I, I'm very curious to what you know what those are like. So we'll have to dig them up. You know, one scene with Frank in this movie that I wish you would have grabbed the audio for. I didn't even think about it, but it's the scene where he he convinces the chief to let Samurai Cop stay, and then right as they're leaving the office, the chief is finally kind of calmed down. Frank kisses him on the forehead, <laughs> and the chief just just barrels out all these expletives at him. Uh, let me see if I've uh, let me see if I've actually got it. What do you say, huh, Cap? I feel like somebody stuck a big club up my ass, and it hurts. <laughs> I've got to figure out a way to get it out of there. God damn it, get the hell out of my office. Get out of here. I don't want to see your face. Confuse it later for... You <laughs> son of a bitch. Come back yeah. here, you motherfucker. <laughs> That's it. That's the one. <laughs> oh, I love it. That that I love I love how unhinged that captain is. It is it is he is the best gift from this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, possibly the best actor in the movie. I mean, even as off the hinges as he is, it, it's it's probably the most entertaining performance that there is. <laughs> oh, it's great. And and I don't know. I think I mean, where would you set this movie on the bus? All right, I'm I'm gonna say it's a uh, second row from the back. I can't put it all the way in the back of the bus. It's got to come one seat up. So it's it's not worthy of being on the very, very back of the bus because I actually enjoy watching this movie. Yeah, like it wasn't so bad that you just, the whole time you're waiting for it to be over with. Right, right. I think on the bus, I mean, I'd probably set it a little bit higher than that. Maybe, uh, maybe halfway up on the bus. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's a short bus, so it's, I mean, it's not in a lot yeah. of rows. There's, what, five seats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so I think this movie, just for entertainment value alone, and but I do see that it is not a good movie on every, every possible aspect of it. Right. <laughs> but I would recommend it to everyone. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I, 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 that's one of the first things I do is you guys have to see this movie. You get some strange looks even when it starts off, especially with the music and everything, and it just all goes downhill from there. I love it. Well, um, we'll go ahead and take a quick break. So stay tuned. Get out of the way! (laughs) 
Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Alright, so uh, that was Samurai Cop from 91. A lot of fun to talk, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Talk about. When we started doing these movies, there was a, you know, we had a, a, a short list at first of things to choose from, and then it, it grew exponentially large. So, but this was definitely one of those movies that it was like, we need to talk about this. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> it, it's just, it just seemed like if we were trying to come across what kind of show we're going to do, this just really nailed it on the head as far as yeah this kind of hits everything we want to put out there is what kind of movies we're talking about it's it's fun it's bad it's cheesy it's terrible entertaining and a whole lot of fun to talk about so yeah i had a lot of fun on this first episode it's 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 always kind of shaky getting your first you know your pilot episode out for a podcast but i think it was pretty fun man i had a good time absolutely and you folks out there if you have ideas of stuff you want us to cover we've got a, a gmail account you can send it to short bus cinema at gmail.com or just hit us up on facebook we also got a facebook account look us up like us hang out with us man and uh we, we're we're open to whatever i mean we've got some ideas put back in our pocket of what we want to get done but uh hey if you're not listening then what's the point of the show so you guys oh. just tell us what you want Join the Facebook group and uh, or like the Facebook page and make sure that you uh, you definitely send in your bad movies that you think we should watch. I mean, something maybe something really obscure, but I, I want to see the worst of the worst, man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We want to see and how far down the spiral we can go. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. I would um, look forward to hear from everybody. All right, that's so. That's it for this episode of Short Bus Cinema. Next time we will be back with ninja three the domination that's right see you later folks peace